Yes, indeed. It is another great morning on the morning machine, the machine that makes your mornings move. Thank you so much for making the machine a part of your daily morning routine. And part of that morning routine means you need to get your finances in order. You need to talk money. It's a wealth of knowledge. It's a wealthy Wednesday. Yes, that's right. I'm going to put it. It's a wealthy Wednesday today. And today... We have a phenomenal guest who is going to end up being family. I will tell you that now because this is not going to be the last time you hear him after today. He'll be back more and more and more again and again and again. And I am so eager to just have him on. Honored, privileged to have him. Let's talk about the one and the only Marcus Knuckles, and you don't even need a Sonic. You don't need that because he is the one and the only Biz Money Pro. Let's talk about him for a second because he is a seasoned business finance specialist with over 15 years and counting of finance and credit experience. From South Jersey, Camden, New Jerusalem, native and alumni of Woodrow Wilson High School, the Woodrow Wilson High School. You got to put the in front of the alma mater. You know how that goes, right? (laughs) Now, he furthered his education by also attending Langston University and Rowan University in South Jersey. Also, Rutgers Camden. I mean, a lot of you, especially in the Philadelphia area, South Jersey, the tri-state area, know what these schools and where these schools are. He also holds a FICO pre-pro certification, excuse me, and is a member of the National Alliance of Commercial Loan Brokers. I could go on. I would be all day reading everything that he has accomplished, but... The accomplishments are different. The impact is even greater. You're going to hear that word a lot today throughout this Wealthy Wednesday. So let's get the world ready to meet and greet the one and the only Marcus Knuckles, a.k.a. also known as the one, the only Biz Money Pro. Welcome to the Morning Machine, my guy. Brother Rob, I can't even tell you like how excited you got me right now with that unbelievable introduction. Like, oh, outstanding, brother Rob. Hey, outstanding. listen, I always do this. <laughs> when 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 I do this, when it's time to do this, I do this. Okay, you know what I mean, and. The thing is, is that you have so much accomplishments and you've made so much of an impact over the years, but you know what I got to do for everybody that listens in, you know what time it is. It's time to take it back to the old school. Let's take it to Union Square. Let's take it back to the beginning when you were coming up before the Woodrow Wilson High School. You know, you had to go through elementary and middle school before you get to high school. So, mm-hmm. in the beginning, what was the spark for you when it came to money and finances? Wow, that's a great question. So, I will say one of the very first things that kind of happened to me uh, to kind of like get me to understand, you know, or taking a, a interest in money a little bit more further was actually like probably my f- fourth to fifth grade, that transition. Um, I actually was uh, picked to be in a special program. You know how to think about growing up in the hood. There's always some type yeah. of special program going on. Right, right. Uh, but fortunately, this was a special program for the academically talented. Mm. Um, you know, so uh, there was a program in Camden called the CHIPS program. Um, and this was like, you know, I remember kids, that I heard about that. Absolutely. Yeah. It was a big program. And this, this was, you know, kind of like, you know, picking, you know, the children that, you know, ex- express, you know, really good academic accolades or whatever have you. Mm-hmm. And um, so I was chosen to, you know, take that, take that and, you know, and participate in that program. So I had to go to a school that was cross town. Mm-hmm. Uh, so where at the time I was living in East Camden, uh, we, I had to go to a school called Forest Hill, uh, mm-hmm. which was actually in Parkside. So, you know, just that whole thing. And that was like a real and it was wild because the distance of the school 
was far, but not far enough for them to give me bus tickets. So I had to like, oh, yeah. I had to use my own money to catch the bus. Jersey Transit. You know? <laughs> let me tell you something. Yeah. So, <laughs> if, so, if any of y'all know about Jersey Transit, it oh, can be goodness. a fool sometimes. Man, you know what I mean? And you'd be surprised, like certain routes, like there was not like a real easy route or multiple routes to get from East Camden to Parkside. It was like one bus. I remember it was called the 452. So, Ooh. you know, so, so literally, you know, in regards to quote unquote like a personal finance or whatever, this was like a thing to where like you know allowance and things of that nature kind of like really came into play. You know, and right. luckily, you know, my dad was a uh, was a mailman, um, yeah. and my mom actually was a teacher. So it was like education was definitely you know in my family, and luckily you know they gave me the little allowance or whatever have you this and that, and it was like you know I'm thinking that they're gonna give me extra money to catch the bus or whatever <laughs> have you, and it was like no. So like having to make the financial decisions on yeah. Catching a bus, Ooh. having it, or having a little extra money to go to the store afterwards mm-hmm. to get a little slice of pizza and a soda or something like that takes like, management. Oh my goodness! Yeah. It was like real financial budgeting decisions, mm-hmm. and that was like okay, like this is not just freestyle, just get money in your pocket. Like you really have to think money through, and you know, and I would say that was my first time of like really thinking about money. And that's also <clears throat> where the most toughest decisions in finance usually start is right there when you have to manage whether you want to get a soda or a snack at the store and have that extra money left over or hey maybe I can have I can figure out a way to make make this happen to where I have bus fare and maybe I could get a soda out of it if I go to the right store. Absolutely. It's those kind of decisions that you grow up having to make, and then you dive into the understanding and the nitty-gritty, as we call it, of finance as you grow through high school and college and so on and so forth. Prioritizing, man. That's yes. what it was about. Mm-hmm. But I will say, you know, the the funny thing to kind of keep things in perspective like and then after that, ironically, I actually started running track, um, mm. of all things, and running track for my city's track club, Camden City Track Club. Mm-hmm. Um, and so from there, I would say from like graduating, uh, graduating elementary through middle through high school, I always was thinking that you know from running track and you know being cool with the football players and the basketball players and all the other athletes, mm-hmm. you know, and I was a big Eagles fan, so my dream job was to be. Uh, you know, like a a, a personal, like a, a fitness trainer for mm-hmm. the Eagles. That was like my dream job. Right. Uh, but then you know how life goes, or whatever have you. Yeah. Uh, and like even when I'm going to college, I majored in exercise physiology. Like mm-hmm. it wasn't like I majored in finance. Gotcha. <clears throat> but you know, post college and you know, looking for jobs and things of that nature, um, I was lucky enough to have a buddy at my church that kind of was like, you know, hey man, you should get into the mortgage industry. Mm-hmm. You know, and that was like my first you know finance job. And uh, he had a really good situation, but he said, listen, you need to be experienced for me to hire you. So go to one of these other smaller shops, because at the time, this is like, you know, late 90s, early 2000s, like mortgage companies were popping, you know, they were hiring everybody, right. you know, that was the thing. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I found a small company to work for, I was working there for a while, doing very well, mm-hmm. you know, went in accolades, kind of worked my way up from being a processor to an actual loan officer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I kind of had a moral, con- you know, confrontation. Um, where I was learning, like we were pushing a lot of subprime mortgages. Gotcha. Uh, and in my opinion, I believe that yes, there was a place for subprime mortgages, mm-hmm. but I also believe that there should have been more education around it right. in regards of, hey, if the subprime mortgage is the only way for you to get the home, mm-hmm. you get the home, but then transition into a more sustainable, conforming, or FHA product down the road. Mm-hmm. And for the most part, it was just more like sell, 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 because you know, the uh, the subprime mortgage companies, they actually paid us very well mm-hmm. for soliciting their, their services. Yeah. Um, so we got paid, you know, twice almost. Like we got paid from the client mm-hmm. and then we also got paid from the, from the lending institutions. But all that to say, I, I never forget this. This was, you know, a story of me actually getting fired from this job. I wrote my pastor an email from the job. I had, you know, I'm, I'm young in corporate America. I didn't really know. And I told my pastor how, like, I was kind of conflicted after – one of my mentors was telling me like, Hey, you guys are selling all this subprime and like, why don't you sell your clients FHA or this product? And it was other products that were better and that were cheaper, but because of what we had access to, it was just like sell, 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 sell. Right. Uh, and, and this is a good point because I'm a segue back to this 
in regards of why consulting and kind of like advisory services are so needed, mm-hmm. right? Or or an intermediary, if you will. Mm-hmm. So long story short, they seen that email and they called me to the office five minutes after the email, mm-hmm. basically saying, "Hey, Marcus, we don't want to conflict your moral beliefs. You know, here's the door, here's your check, and we got some other checks coming for you. No problem." And that and I was mm-hmm. like in shock. Like that life shot. So that it happened so quickly and so and like I was the number two producer in the company and, and growing. Like, you know You so, you pretty much were the money maker of the company and they had no problem. They had all comfortability to just let you go within five minutes of an email being sent. Like that was an immediate decision for someone that it wasn't a a thought process about no thought it. Process. It, it it was just like oh well if he wants to go we're gonna let him go and it was just like huh wait a minute i thought y'all would have had to at least have a meeting about it or something that's our mindset they- especially if we're the money maker of the company if you're if, no matter whether you're one through five or you're number 15 in the entire company that is huge for somebody to make a decision but it also shows how expendable we are in these particular positions as well it exposes us to that harsh reality absolutely they didn't they didn't have any problem they didn't even try to change my mind you know it was the fact like hey this is what you're thinking and your thinking is not on our thought process so therefore it's time to go and now of course now that as an as me being an employer yeah i i kind of get that i understand it now but of course back then i was hurt but Long story short, it definitely kind of pushed me to bigger and greater things. So what I did was I still stayed in the mortgage industry, but I worked for a, actually a, a small black-owned mortgage company nice. um, actually that, that was in my hometown of Camden. Mm-hmm. Um, and fortunately, like, <laughs> my boss was kind of like, you know, uh, you know how they say, like, you know, how some black businesses are kind of like the N-word businesses, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and yeah. He was kind of like that, you know. I, I can't, I can't lie. But yeah, what that right. did for me, it allowed me to like push for my own education. So mm-hmm. we would have, you know, wholesale lenders like these other representatives from these big mortgage banks mm-hmm. would come in and they would try to solicit us, you know, their products. They right, wanted us right. to always sell their bank. I took advantage of every training, mm-hmm. you know. This and like I either even went to the companies and met the owners of these banks and things of that nature. And because of that, I got access to more information, mm-hmm. and and that really kind of changed changed the game for me because I never forget like my eye opening experience about lending right. and finance was a, a document called the Truth and Lending Statement. Yeah, yeah. I saw the that. Truth and Lending Statement. If you buy a home, and even in some in some credit card cases, you'll see like there's a chart or, or it's called an amortization chart that will basically spell out if you make this mortgage payment. From today to thirty day, you know, thirty years from now, on the first of the month, you know, making this exact dollar amount payment, this is what you're going to really pay. Like in regards to like, even though the house is let's say you know three hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars, with with compound interest calculated over thirty years, yeah, you might really be paying four hundred and sixty thousand dollars. Hmm. But it shows you this, and it shows you like you know how your mortgage statement. Let's say if your mortgage payment is $2,000, mm-hmm. and you see how out of that $2,000, especially when your first payment, it might only be maybe 100 bucks of that is actually going to your principal balance. The rest is going towards interest, taxes, and insurance. Mm-hmm. So when I seen it, and then I also thought about how many people got paid in one transaction. You had the mortgage company, of course, getting paid. And that and, and the mortgage company paid multiple people. The loan officer, the processor, uh, then the title company got paid, the title agent, the title agent's processor. Um, then you had an appraiser. He got paid. Like, you know, you had the, the city and the county for different record keeping and different, you know, a lawyer might have got paid in the transaction. Wow. Like, and I'm thinking to myself, like, wow. And then in addition to that, I'm also thinking, like, one house might have multiple transactions, meaning, like, it's the purchase, then a refi, then a home equity line of credit, then it gets sold again, maybe, then another. And I'm like, times how many homes exactly. sold, which means it could be 
folks could get paid like five dollars oh per God. person times how many houses though how many houses under the under the company's belt that they've processed these home loans for mortgages for how yeah. many houses did you do that for in a month's time time so times that five dollars making buku as we you know you yes. know we we use that word up north yes. a lot buku money cream wu-tang dollar rules. dollars <laughs> dollar dollar bill y'all wu-tang financial all the way like <laughs> it, it was like <laughs> I, I, I like how you put that too yeah. no, <laughs> no but when i seen it i was like and it, and it dawned on me i said it's money and money exactly like and it will always be money and money so it's for, almost like residual income in a sense because each time a house is sold and a mortgage is drawn up, right, for however many years, guess what? Somebody getting paid, whoever holds that position, is getting paid for those X amount of months or years that they are continuing to hold that position per home. Absolutely. And that is why a lot of people think the money is in such and such of business, right? No, the money is actually right there. And it's, it's the right most there. simplest way to get crazy paid. Wow. And I I did not notice. I had not, until today, you bringing this to the table, I had not heard about the truth in lending statement before because I haven't been on a house journey yet, respectfully. Mm -hmm. I intend to go on one, but now knowing this information oh, absolutely. Behind, it gives me a more in-depth, behind-the-scenes, impactful look at what home buying really is and what if you're on a mortgage what you will be really paying over that time the the interest is where things are getting really really tight it gets really tight so really if you got a $350,000 home you might be paying by the time that 30 years is up you might be in the 400s as you just alluded to absolutely Depending Absolutely. on what the cost is, it it could be four hundred or maybe even up to probably the max maybe five twenty five, depending yeah. on what those interest rates are, and that's why it's so important for us to look at the interest the the interest rates when it comes to home buying because they are vastly important. A lot of us in our community overlook those interest rates. And number one reason is because we have a lack of understanding. Would you oh, agree? Lack, lack of understanding is huge. And even, you know, and I'll give you a, a perfect scenario. Like, I remember, you know, when I was working as a loan officer and people, you know, and I'm talking to people and they're like, yeah, you know, how much, you know, how much house can I afford? And they're, they're trying to do the whole affordability thing. Right, right? exactly. You know, or what can I get approved for? Mm -hmm. And my question was, first, is what payment do you feel comfortable with? Mm. Because the approval amount and the payment that you feel comfortable with mm -hmm. can be two totally different amounts. Facts. And I, I'll give you a perfect example. Yes. So typically for like FHA and conforming loans or whatever, which are like, you know, the better products, uh, when they do, like you hear people talk about uh, debt to income ratio. Um, and that's just basically where they're looking at the money that you make from a gross perspective, so mm -hmm. that's a that's a quasi good thing. Yeah. But let's think about this. Gross means be you know before taxes. So correct. You know, let's say you're making a hundred thousand mm -hmm. dollars, right? Um, and then you know that breakdown on a monthly basis uh, comes out to about what? Like I think it's like eight thousand thirty three or something like that mm -hmm. per month. Right. Now, typically the 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 formula is like you can't go over forty four percent. Um, of that number. So basically, mm -hmm. they want you to have, you know, uh, what's that, 56% availability. Mm -hmm. Now, mind you, let's just say even half, right? Mm -hmm. So that's like $4,000 a month that they, they don't want all your bills to go past 4000 a month, meaning like anything that's on your credit report. So your credit card payments, your car payment, this and that. Now, mind you, the typical house right now is – Goodness gracious. I would say national might be what, 250, 300? That's like a regular standard, you know, 
and if you're in a halfway decent metropolitan area mm-hmm. or whatever have you, that's about what you're going to pay. Mm-hmm. And a mortgage payment for that is like roughly just on average, depending on what the taxes are, would be like around like two thousand mm-hmm. dollars. So now you got to think about it. Like, all right, even though I make a hundred thousand dollars a year, I'm I work at a W two job. I'm paying taxes on that, so I don't bring home that full eight thousand three hundred and thirty three dollars. I'm also maybe paying into uh, uh, like uh, some type of pension or you know 401k, right? You know my health insurance. Like yeah, I all, might all only... your dedu- normal deductions that are taken off of paychecks weekly, biweekly, monthly, right. however you just you get paid, right? So out yeah. of that eight thousand dollars a month, mm-hmm. well eighty three hundred dollars a month, I might only really bring home maybe forty five hundred. Yeah, tax bracket. Yeah. So then I still got to make that mortgage payment, which is just about half of that. Plus, and, and, and mind you, I haven't even lived yet. I haven't even paid a light bill. I haven't, you know what I mean? Like, God forbid, if, God forbid if you go outside. Like, we already know how, how outside costs. Like, here in Atlanta, I think the outside cost in Atlanta got to be at least like two three hundred dollars just Ooh. just coming outside your house, you're gonna spend about two three hundred dollars. That's facts. Like, especially if you live around this area. Um, and when I say that, because you have so many things around you, you have war Atlanta, for instance, World Congress Center. You got so many different things around you that you're going to be tempted to spend the minimum. Some of you might spend that just on food. And then, you know, our people, we're not even going to count if you got some type of, like, you know, clothing addiction or something like that. Like, you in these stores and... You know this and that or whatever oh, have you. Oh, call like, us you, out, call you know, us that's, out, that's man. That's that. That's that. You know that Instagram <laughs> thing. Like you know, everybody watching with everybody else. You know, like man, you know, like it, it's. I, let me ask you <laughs> this. I'm glad you brought that up. What is the deal with social media? Pr- basically, bringing out this false narrative and these false ways of living and thinking people are living financially stable and they're really not they really have no knowledge of uh into you know financial uh freedom or intellect that's what i was looking for financial intellect i would say you know and and this can probably take us on a totally different tangent but the one thing that I, I can say that, you know, I've learned this personally, and I think that this is a, a lesson that should be taught more even at home mm-hmm. uh, and in as many other places as possible, is the the importance of running your own race. Like, everybody's life, race, situation is so different. Yes, we got similarities, mm-hmm. but at the same time, everything is different. And for me, like, especially in my business, I get to see the real deal. Like, you can't really fake the funk on me because mm-hmm. I'm asking for financial documentation. Excellent. And, Excellent. and yes, yes, there are ways to get money for your business without, you know, find, you know, without documents or whatever have you. Mm-hmm. But when you're really trying to – when you have a business that's in a position to scale, meaning like you're hiring people, you're growing or whatever have you, that's when the institutions need to actually see some paperwork. Right. So that's the game changer. So for me, like – I've seen it where somebody who you might least expect from a social media perspective, like looking at their social media page, and then I look at their tax returns or their you know financial statements, and I'm like, wow, mm-hmm. they really making some money. Yeah, and exactly. then I see somebody else who's on social media who got all the pictures, the private jets, and the you know the vehicles and the cars or whatever have you. Yep, here we and, go. And uh, they talking about man, I need this money fast, or things is going to blow up. Or you know this and that and 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 like self destruction, uh, yeah, for self destruction. <laughs> I see it so much, and it just takes it back to basic principles. Oh, this is that's all over Atlanta. That's almost commonplace here. Oh my god! Like and then like the people who who's you know we're not gonna talk about credit scores. The people who I see that are extremely active on social media, and then I hear about the credit profiles or what they need help with. And then I just, like, scratch my head, and I'm like, wow, like, you know, according to your social media, things are really great. But and it's but, really not. Right. But that's where, for me, to be honest with you, like, I, you know, I don't put too much stock, 
you know, in that, um, mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I, I'm the person like, let's talk and let's see some paperwork. Exactly. You know, just, so. just get it done. And as we were, we were talking off air, we were talking about flying under the radar and making a huge impact. So I want to speak on that and I want to expound on that because there are a lot of people such as yourself that do fly under the radar, but when the results hit, you're, you're not seen, you're behind the scenes and let's be honest, it's better to be that way behind the scenes Mm -hmm. when you're making things happen on an exponential level. But expound on that fly under the radar, make greatest impact ordeal. Well, I would say for me, it's like, because like, I really love the work. Like, you know, even back in in my mortgage company days, like, you know, I'll never forget a gentleman by the name of Gary Copeland. He was a, uh, a school security guard and he actually had a disability. He was a disabled person, um, school security guard. He was living in a messed up apartment, you know, slumlord and this non this housing nonprofit organization that I used to work with. They referred him to me and, you know, short story story, his, 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 his daughter actually worked at another mortgage company and she couldn't get him a mortgage. Wow. I wind up getting him a mortgage, wow. um, got him out of that slumlord situation mm-hmm. Got a house he can call his own, like grown man, cried at the closing table, you know, whatever have you. And like, so that was impactful for me. You know what I mean? That meant something for me. So now as I transition in the commercial finance world, like when I look at it, like, you know, I'm supporting businesses and businesses support people. Like, this is a big deal. When somebody, you know, says, hey, Marcus, you know, I heard about you or I want to work with you. And, you know, because literally 99% of my business is referral based. Like I'm... You know, and, and granted, because I'm in the process of scaling, I'm getting ready to get to start doing the paid ads and all that fun stuff. Yeah. But up until now, I have really built my business really organically mm-hmm. in regard to somebody just having a good experience and telling somebody else. And to the point to where, and I, I think this says a lot, especially if you know the finance game, like the people who I do business with, they refer me business. Meaning like the banks that I do business with. They'll have a client that maybe either they can't do anything for or they may have reached their limit or they know, hey, you know what? We did this for you, but I know a guy who can supplement what you're looking for or whatever have you. I get those type of you know introductions all the time. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I just love that. And I love the fact of, you know, being able to work with people, you know, that can say, hey, you know. I'm going to the game, come with me or whatever have you, or this and that. Like, you know, a lot of the experience and things that I've experienced, like especially on the quote unquote VIP or high level has come from me helping somebody at that level. Right. You know what I mean? And that gives me access and that gives me access that you can't buy. And that's another thing that people kind of, you know, forget. Like, you know, yes, there are some parties you can go to and pay for the VIP ticket, Mm -hmm. but I like the fact that I'm there because I got invited because they know the value that I bring to the table. Exactly. And that value can always be enhanced at any given time, which segues me to, I noticed that you are doing a current rebrand as the enhancement group LLC. Talk about the enhancement group. Absolutely. Now that you're rebranding, what are the services that you currently offer to provide that impactful enhancement for your clientele? Nah, man, you, you hit the nail on the head with that. Uh, ironically, I came up with the name, the enhancement group, mm-hmm. while on a trip here to Atlanta. How about uh, that? <laughs> I, was, I, was here, I was here with a client. Nice. We were meeting with a group that was already here and, and another person, a, a, a behavioral health client in Philadelphia. And, you know, she was looking to kind of possibly set up offices here. And we had a little powwow. And it was like, it was like, I think this was like maybe like in 2020, like right a little bit after New Year's Eve. Mm -hmm. And she asked everybody the question, like, if you could, you know, if it's one word to describe you, what word would that be? And I was thinking and I was thinking and I was like, you know what? Enhancement. Like, because, you know, I, I, I kind of almost feel like, you know, almost like King Midas. Like, you know, if I'm working with a client or whatever have you or business, like what I bring to the table, mm-hmm. I'm going to help you be bigger and better. You know, because in, in the biggest reason and in, in like in going into like the actual services, 
that, you know, we provide at the Enhancement Group is real live business finance advisory services. Mm-hmm. And what that means, I love using this analogy. Think about when it comes to when we make money, right? Right. There's tons of people out here that want to tell you what to do with your money when you make it. Financial planners, wealth mm-hmm. advisors, you. whatever. And and, t- and basically, when you break it down to the lowest common denominator, mm-hmm. what they're doing is they're trying to help you save and or invest strategically. Mm. Because tip, think about it. We all know how to save money. We all know the basic fundamentals. You know, hey, for every 100 I bring in, I'm going to put 10 aside. Right. However, we also know that if we put that 10 off of all those bunch of hundreds that we make aside in a, in a special account, it can make interest. It can, you know, grow mm-hmm. for us or whatever have yeah. you. Mm-hmm. Whether you're in, doing it with life insurance, whether you're doing it in the stock market, mm-hmm. whether you're doing it with EFT. Like, there's tons of different, you know, vehicles. And our government understood that, hey, it's a complex situation out there. So let's, like, have some oversight and create intermediaries to help people manage that process, right. which is why you have the wealth advisors, financial planners, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Well, now let's think about borrowing, and especially as a business owner. Right. As a business owner, even as a even as a small business, meaning like let's just say somebody that's only doing maybe a couple hundred thousand dollars a year in business. Right, right. There are so many different types of lenders who are calling your phone or sending you advertisements to try to solicit some type of funding or lending opportunity. Facts. But there's nobody helping you navigate that. And and here's the deal. You can sit in front of the number one business banker that a bank has to offer, but that banker can only advise you based on products that that one bank has to offer. Correct. Because once they sign their, you know, their deal to work for that company, Mm -hmm. they can only offer you products that that company has to offer. Correct. They could have worked at another bank two, three months ago and know that from basically what you asked them, I have something else that I can that that can help you, but it's not in my best interest to do that because I signed my allegiance to this bank. I can't mm. tell you about another bank. Got it. And then they try and think about it. Even I tell people this, even in personal finances, like most of us have more than one credit card mm. because you know you, you know how it is. Like the you know the basic fundamental process to that is all right. At least have one in case one gets in trouble. You know what I mean? Or if you max out one, you at least got another one to kind of still help you get, you know, get through it or whatever have you. Mm-hmm. Very same concept in business. Like most banks really do try to solicit themselves as a one-stop shop, and that's really not the case. You know, so what I do is I evaluate my client's profile, and that's mm-hmm. the key word, profile. Yes. It's not just your credit score. Mm-hmm. It's your credit profile, your credit score and profile. Then it's like your industry. Then it's your financials, like tax mm-hmm. returns. You know, your your financial statements, profit and loss and balance sheets, mm-hmm. you know, uh, if you have inventory or inventory lists or whatever have you. But these are all the data points that we look at. And then based off of those data points and what we know about lending and credit, we put together a finance plan that now is going to have you borrowing strategically. Uh, mm-hmm. we, have a, we have a phrase called compartmentalized funding. Mm-hmm. So compartmentalized funding or financing basically means that we're going to help you get financing for specific things in your business. So we may get business credit cards for your miscellaneous expenses. Mm -hmm. Then we might get you a business term loan because maybe you have to buy a piece of equipment or you have to, you know, uh, maybe you're buying a property or whatever have you. So it might be a commercial mortgage or whatever have you. Mm -hmm. Then we'll do an actual line of credit. Now the line of credit is more of like money going in and out. So like that's for people who might need a front on, you know, payroll or operations because especially for businesses that do B2B business, yeah. where like I'm servicing another, I'm a business that services other businesses. Right. And God forbid if you're in what we call supply chain, right? Mm-hmm. Supply chain is where you're actually servicing a bigger company. So like somebody that might be providing something to Johnson and Johnson right. or, you know, to Procter and Gamble or whatever have you. Well, when they pay their, you know, their vendors, they're paying normally on like net 30 terms or net 60 terms or whatever have you. Meaning like you got to do all the work, submit the invoice, mm-hmm. and then you don't get paid for 30 days later. Mm-hmm. But you might be paying your 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 employees weekly, bi-weekly, and then yeah. you got operations or whatever have you. So you need money to kind of, you know, fill in the gap. And that's normally what a line of credit is for. You know, like especially like, you know, and you know, in Philadelphia, 
an industry that's probably produced, in my opinion, probably the most you know young black millionaires have been home health care yeah. and, uh, and intellectual disability Agreed. care. Like yeah. those businesses, there's a lot of our business, you know, you know, people in that business. Yes, and a lot of them, you know. Like because of how it works, and when they get paid from the MCOs or whatever have you, mm-hmm. they need to get credit established so that not only so they can just handle the payroll, but also marketing too. Yeah, absolutely. But there's so, always a marketing budget for every business. Yeah, absolutely. So, mm-hmm. so typically, when we come in and we provide the capital, we're like the grease that you know. They was I forget the phrase, the grease to the squeaky wheel. Like we are. Mm-hmm the grease to the squeaky wheel. Like when you really know your business and money is typically the only thing you really need. Cause you know how you, you know, you, you hear people say, man, I could do this. If I just had access to this amount of money, or if I had an uncle that could, you know, write me a check for 50,000 or a hundred thousand or whatever have you, right. you know, we, you know, we are the replacement to having a rich uncle. Like, and when I say we are, we're just going to show you the power of credit and how you can use credit to basically fund everything. Like one of my philosophies is that with good credit, all things are possible. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you put, you know, a few people with good credit together, and you can create an enormous situation. Absolutely. And that's what we've been doing. We, I mean, I would say one of my top clients, I remember uh, it was it was actually a home health care company. Uh, I got them about $700,000 to start their business. Whoa. Um, yes, as a startup. And that wasn't That Angel. was a startup? And that, and that was before they did a dollar. Wait, 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 Tom. Can I can I take a timeout? I got to do the Kenny Jet Smith. Can I take a timeout for a second? Mm-hmm. So, the Enhancement Group, and and you know I know it's a rebrand, but you know we're going to say the Enhancement Group, right? LLC. Startup costs, right? For a business, you were able to, you managed out almost three quarters of a million dollars for this business to start up. That is a lot that is a lot for any for any business to have startup costs because when we think of startup costs either we're thinking of one of two things the startup costs are going to come out our pocket absolutely or we're going to have to get a grant or a loan that we're going to have to pay back later that it's almost robbing peter to pay paul in a sense, to try to make ends meet to be able to continue on. So you're also, you're already starting off operating in debt, right? Mm-hmm. And you were able to get almost three quarters of a million dollars for startup costs. Absolutely. That is a, that is a key thing. And, I, and, and that's where most black-owned businesses kind of come to a crossroads at is the startup cost. So this is where it stems this next question. Sure. As it pertains to the enhancement of businesses and then the impact following, what are three concepts, the top three concepts that you usually push to most of our, especially the businesses of our community that are there, but they haven't just... They didn't get that extra spark yet to cross that threshold. What are three concepts that you usually push towards our community in regards to that? So that's a great question, and I'm going to say three things. Uh, Credit, cash flow, and and collaboration. Mm. And, and, and I'm a, of course, credit number one, right? So because at the end of the day, Credit is basically, you're going to have a, a whole lot more options and opportunity. And I always tell people, that's what credit does. Credit buys you time and opportunity. Right. Um, so, number one, if, you, if you're if you getting ready to start a business, in my personal opinion, make sure your credit is good first. Because there's going to be so much more you can do when you're starting that business when your credit is good. Right. Trying to start a business when your credit is not the, in the best position is a tough, a tough deal. Mm-hmm. And, and if that's the case at least have what I call a credit partner. Because believe it or not, the, the client who I told you I got the $700,000 for, You're right. they had a credit partner. That's what made it easy for us to get that money. Um, so that's the credit part. Then the cash flow part uh-huh. is understanding, and sooner rather than later, like 
the cash flow of your business, meaning like mm-hmm. what do I have to spend money on and then how do I make money and then how quickly do I make money? And when I say how quickly do I make money, meaning the sales process, when I start with a client to when that money goes into my checking account, right. how long does that take and then how can I shorten that process as I grow my business and learn more or whatever have you, what tools, whether they're AI tools or whatever have you, what tools can I create you know, to get to more what I call RGA revenue generating activity. Yeah. And that's where, you know, like even like when it comes to getting that front money of credit, mm-hmm. like and you start putting the money in play, you want to know how long is it going to take for the money to start coming back, the right. revenue generating activity. Mm-hmm. And then the collaboration part, and this is the part that's so big like in our community, we have to start doing more business with each other and stop looking at each other as competitors. Facts. And here's my reason for that. Go, I'm going to go back to the home health care space in, in, in Philly and in, in Pennsylvania. I know so many black and brown millionaires from home health care. It's ridiculous. And I'm talking about, you know, real money. People making 5, 10, 20, 30, 50 million dollars, 100 million dollars a year. The right know, way. The right way. Exactly. Right. But at the same time, they have no representation at all. In, in in their industry. When I say no representation, mm. now, because here's the thing, when you talk about scaling your business and, and collaboration and everything, now it comes to the point of association. Right. Like how, like, like how the NRA does it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. They spend money, ridiculous amounts of money, collectively. All Everybody in the gun industry puts money in, and then they lobby so that the laws are pushed to their benefit. Correct. As big as home healthcare is and as much money as these people have, they haven't figured that out yet. And unfortunately, mm. you know, you know how it is, unfortunately, in our community, how to, you know, the underlining thing of how hard it is for us to come together or whatever have you. Yeah. But it, it's costing us money. True. Very true. Like, even though you're making money, you with the right influence and the right lobbyists, and, 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 and you want to try to push somebody to where, like, somebody that looks like you is now on the advisory board of that industry. Mm. Mm. So mm. then now, when change comes, you can really be proactive because you know about it before it comes instead of now always reacting to a situation. Right. I have, I have, to, I have so many calls from like that, that industry from different situations. Somebody's losing a contract or whatever have you, this and that, and where they need money quickly or they need you know this and that. And, and for me, the good thing about, you know, our space, and and I tell this to all my clients, when you have me as a provider, you don't just have access to me getting you money. Mm-hmm. I believe in also sharing my resources too. So I have a lot of resources, you know, and even politically um, that I've, you know, worked with, you know, from me helping them mm-hmm. just, you know, building that relationship. Because the good thing about selling money is that when you sell money, it's hard for somebody not to want to be your friend when you just help give them the resources to help them change their life. Exactly. Like their life, their husband's life, you know, like the whole, the whole family's family, life yeah. got changed by the impact that, you know, and the enhancements that we gave to them in regards of, you know, working capital strategies for that business. Right. So it, you know, I get invited to all types of stuff. Right. You know right. what I mean? <laughs> uh, and, and I appreciate that. And I don't take that for granted. Right. But those are the three C's, you know, the collaboration. And then I'm going to even go into an even bigger part that that I've learned is now we have to also start thinking about building our businesses for exit strategies. Mm. And and speak on the importance of that because there's a lot of people out here that are in radio land right now that are that really are in a quandary about this situation they have to make these tough decisions and they do not have an exit strategy at this particular point probably have not even thought of developing an exit strategy so just expound on the importance of that no problem exit strategy and succession planning i'm gonna go i'm gonna go at both right so one of the things that and i and once again i says you know minorities black and brown people you know, we, we really big on sometimes complaining about the system or complaining about, True. man, like, yes, we are. it seems like these, you know, these other groups, they got access to so much more or whatever have you, this and that. And a big part of that is because they're doing things differently. 
they're doing the things that we're not doing. And one of the one of the biggest things that they do is they don't take business personally. Mm. So and, and and don't get me wrong, I get it. Like the first business that you make that might have helped you be the first millionaire in your family or the first person to kind of like really be the change of that whole generational curse type of deal or you know now we got somebody in the family that we're really proud of and they and they might be hiring other family members and and putting people on or whatever have you i understand the personal feeling of that business like man like that's your baby however let's call a spade a spade a business is nothing but a tool and and these other groups the reason why they have access to so much more money. Like when you hear about people having seven-figure bank accounts, eight-figure bank accounts or whatever, because it's a big difference between somebody running a $10 million business mm-hmm. and having a million dollars in the bank. Mm. Most $10 million businesses don't have a million dollars in the bank. That's theirs. Mm-hmm. It's the it's the companies. And then even if it is the companies, it has to stay available for operations because it costs to keep the money. The, exactly. To keep it operating. Right. But now here's the deal. That ten million dollar business might be able to get sold if it's if it's built properly. It can get sold for maybe ten million dollars, you know, like a check for ten million dollars at one time. Right. So then now instead of you just because that ten million dollar business typical, the typical margins on a good business, you know, normally are about like ten to twenty percent. So if somebody's doing a million dollars in revenue, that business owner typically is probably taking home you know, about a hundred to maybe $200,000 a year. Mm. You know what I mean? Which is, you know, which is, you know, a good salary outside in the world. You know what I mean? Uh, But the good thing about being a business owner is that, you know, with tax codes and things of that nature, you can kind of, you know, you can live a life to where even though you might only be making 200,000, it might seem like you're making a lot more than that because Mm -hmm. of the finessing of expenses and things of that nature, you know, talk to your CPA about that. Uh, But anyway, we don't we don't build business businesses to exit so that we can get that big check and right. then reinvest. You reinvest that you parlay into another industry or another business, or you take your same business and take it somewhere else to another state or you know somewhere else so you can. And because here's the deal: if it took you five years to get to that point, mm-hmm. you got five years of hardcore experience, do's and don'ts. You know what to do. So now. With and, and mind you, with that big check that you just got, and yes, you got to pay taxes and all that type of stuff, but you got that big lump sum money, you can reinvest it. And statistically, you should probably do even better because you got all that experience you just had to get you to this point. And then now you got a lot more resources to, to work it. So typically, you want to have a lifestyle where as a business owner, you might, in your, in your lifetime, you might have maybe three, four great exits to where now, you're, the family war chest, the, the the family trust is sitting on tens of millions of dollars mm. because you built just like you built property, you flip a property, yeah, you, yeah. you renovate it or whatever. Yeah, have an you. investment property. Yeah, you do the same thing with a business, mm. and then you can buy businesses. That's another thing too. Instead of creating a business from scratch, especially for people that are high income earners, I just heard this phrase. Uh, it blew my mind. Henry's high income earners not rich yet. Blew my mind. So wow. these these are people who are making money, and and these are like you know people that are like you know have jobs that might be making like let's say maybe three hundred and fifty or more you know a year in mm-hmm. you know in income that's you know a high income earner right yeah. and then of course you even got you know your athletes your entertainers you know uh, things that you know people that are really making that big lump sum money and it's like they they making big lump sums of money and they're like oh I'm going to start a business mm-hmm. and it's like why you want to start a business when you got access to cash? You can buy a business. And then even with buying business, it's financing options. Right. When people see, like, a business for sale for a million dollars, they think they got to, you know, scrounge up a million dollars, like, dollar for dollar. No. To buy a business is just like financing a house. It's a down payment, and then it's financing. Most businesses, especially good ones, mm. you can buy a business with only 10% down. Mm. So if it's a million-dollar business, you can finance that business with a million-dollar down payment. I finance a hundred thousand dollars all day. I mean, with a hundred thousand dollar down payment to buy a million dollar business. Mm. Wow, that is, man. Let me tell you something, folks. Understand the gems that he is putting out this morning, and there has to be a part two on this coming <laughs> soon because 
Man, the level of gems that you put out today are just absolutely phenomenal. And you probably have a lot more gems to share, (laughs) but we only have but so much time. But I will ask you this as a final question, though. What is the best advice for people who are not financially intellectual that still don't have any idea they're reckless or what have you they have no idea where to start when it comes to just even just their livelihood just from a basic financial approach what is the best advice did you have for our listeners in radio land out there to really give them a jump start wow so of course you know i'm going to say you know information is power and we, and we know that and Yes, I will say that the internet has made things more accessible. Yeah. But I wouldn't necessarily say easier. True. The reason why I say not necessarily easier is because a lot of the information is not right information. And then sometimes even the right information, when I see people charging for the information, I'm like, wow. Um, so it, it, it's it's very, very tough out here. In regards to kind of like figuring out who's who. And then even, and I'll be very honest with you too, even when it comes to, you know, to credit and financing, mm-hmm. I've heard bad information from bankers, the people who have the jobs that are supposed to help you, you know, do the deal or whatever have you. Yeah. Um, so I, I would start off simple with like, with, with, and I hate to say like books, but like you got to take it back to the old school almost, as you say, like, and even if it's an audio book, like, you know, uh, the money book, like there's rich dad, poor dad, like there, there are definitely like basic books, um, the millionaire next door that are like really provide a lot of fundamental information mm-hmm. on business and credit and things that you should do. Um, one of the best books that I've ever read on credit is you're nothing but a number. Wow. By John the Alzheimer. The title of that though. And here's the wow. kicker. Mm-hmm. This was not a book written by somebody who learned credit on YouTube. No. This was somebody who actually worked at Fair Isaac, which is FICO, yeah. um, and, and Equifax and Experian. Like, he actually was part of helping create the algorithms for it. Mm-hmm. But it's called You're Nothing But a Number. His name is John Alzheimer. Mm-hmm. Um, ironically, he's from Atlanta, too. White guy. How about that? <laughs> Literally. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, man, like, that was a good book. Um, but, yeah, there's, there's definitely some resources out here. Um, the, 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 keep it fundamental. Um, and then just understand that, like, here's another thing too. This one thing I always tell people credit is not cash flow. Hmm. So just because all right, you know, somebody was able to get you, you know, 50,000, a hundred thousand, 200,000 hours of credit. That doesn't just mean just spend the money, right? Like exactly. have a plan and work your plan. Exactly. Right. And then going back to what I said plan. earlier about revenue generating activity, you should like when you start when you when you're going to somebody, especially as a startup, and you know you're going online. You found somebody to sell you some business credit cards or whatever have you. Because there are a bunch of people that do that. Mm-hmm. Um, know how long it's going to take the process. Like know that when you get the money, all right, I'm quickly going to buy, you know, this tow truck or like I'm gonna pay for this class, this license, like whatever it is. The the elements that you need to actually make money. You do that sooner rather than later. Yeah. And you don't go to sex and you don't go to Neiman's. You don't do that first. Lord. Like, and, because what happens is, and trust me, I get it. Like, I've lived it myself. Like, yeah. because you get this lump sum of money. And we don't know how to act. You get this lump sum of money and it's real easy. Like, when you get 100000 to think like, hey, you know what? I can afford to spend two, $3,000 on an outfit. Yeah. Or, AKA, you know, we happened. don't know how to act. Because that, that purchase is going to become... An impulse buy because your mindset is, I think I got it. And that impulse, when you need it, you want it, you got to, got to have it, it becomes an impulse buy. And then later down the road, you have second thoughts about that purchase in the beginning. It comes back to bite you real quick, quicker than most who just, they're not acting on impulsive or acting on the desire to have or the desire to be big baller shot caller and be the flashy dashy one out here in these streets. That's what gets people caught 
up. And I'm glad you said that. That and and that's the advice that's going to resonate right there. Because yet again, especially in the African American community, our community, right? Mm-hmm. When we never had that amount of money before, we start testing those waters and then we overdo it by a mile. And it gets us caught up in the end times when you really need to make something go and make something happen. That's why the revenue generating activity is so important because as much as you spend, it's got to come back full circle, right? Absolutely. And that's the whole point of how credit works. You know, if you're going to use the credit line, you got to be able to pay yourself back for from that credit line or or to contribute back to that credit line it has to be paid back at some way or fashion at some point in time or else it's it's going to come back to bite you and it's going to be really really tough and we see that often especially in our communities that's where and that's why people such as yourself are so impactful when it comes to not only being financially literate and intellectual, but on top of that, having the wherewithal to know what to do in situations like this and be able to recover with certain tips. So I just want to say thank you for doing what you do. You're extremely valued. And you're valued because you make that impact, as we stated, under the radar, but over the radar impact. Absolutely. And that and that's what it's all about. And I know we, we you know, we're running short on time here, but I will say this though. Um I do want to ask you where everybody in Radio Land can find you, follow you, connect with you. And be able to get involved in the enhancement group's services if they need them. Absolutely. I'm glad you asked me that. But for the most part, you know, they can start by going to uh, any of the uh, my IG pages. It's uh, Biz Money Pro, and it's spelled out the way it sounds. B-I-Z-M-O-N-E-Y-P-R-O. And then also uh, The Enhancement Group. Mm-hmm. And that's all spelled out, The Enhancement Group. Uh, you can find me on IG. You know, I got calendar links on there to mm-hmm. set up appointments for consultations. Um, you know, but by all means, you know, please reach out. Um, I also have a, a, a number I don't mind giving out. Uh, it's 856-418-0560. Once again, 856-418-0560. Thank you so much for that phenomenal information this morning. We need it. And those, I, there's someone out there in Radio Land that has heard this, and you've now made an impact on them, and you haven't even seen them face to face. They're saying, you know what? I feel inspired. I feel great. I'm going to start changing this financial situation right now. I'm going to turn around this business right now from the concepts that you just gave this morning and you didn't even give it all. There's so much more <laughs> so much. <laughs> to talk about that we don't have time for, unfortunately, oh, wow. this morning. But I would be honored and privileged to have you back again and again and again throughout the year because this was a serious wealth of knowledge that will give us the financial wealth that we seek abroad, everywhere, everybody. It gives us the financial not not just literacy, financial intellect, but the financial wealth overall, even spanning generations, that will be the key thing that we need in our community. So I appreciate you and I can't wait to have you on again because like I said, there's so many things we didn't get to, but we need to get to them. So with that, I pr- appreciate everybody for tuning in. Hey, make sure that you run you run this back because in on our website, 1026situation.com because 
These concepts are what's going to drive you to that next level of financial intellect, wisdom, and wealth. The real wealth that you need. Health is one thing, but you also got to make sure you're taking care of yourself from a financial standpoint. And once you get those two together, there's no limits to what you can do out here. Okay? So, with that said, Marcus, Mr. Biz Money Pro, the one and only, thank you so much for being on the morning machine. Like I said, this is not your last time being here. I look forward to you coming back again and sharing a wealth of knowledge with our people, our listeners out in radio land many times throughout 2024 and beyond. I, I really thank you so much for coming through. Oh, thank you, brother. Rob. appreciate it. Absolutely. And with that, we got a little bit of music for you and then we'll be right back. It's the morning machine. Jump. 